0: If you're unable to say black lives matter, but you're okay with saying blue lives matter, um, isn't it just the same as the man who wasn't able to stomach the reality that the Samaritan who the Jews looked down upon was the one who was the neighbor who was fulfilling the law? I think it's really important for us to be able to draw these parallels because what Jesus is sharing with us is um, these these are complexities and these are issues that humans have been dealing with forever uh, and are currently dealing with today and will forever deal with.
1: When the man said, you are choking me,
2: and he cried out, oh, I can't not breathe, did
1: your heart break, does your heart break now? Welcome to Our Faith Journey, a podcast that focuses on how to find joy and purpose in an abundant relationship with Christ. My name is Gerald Chang, and I've noticed that most Christians today struggle to develop a personal connection with God. This podcast will share practical ways on how to foster a relationship with Christ so that you can experience lasting joy. Um, well, hey, this is the fourth part of a series on race and religion, and it's been a it's been a real journey, I have to say, um, and I want to thank both Brian and Sean just for Having these conversations with me and exploring topics that I haven't really navigated before. And, um, you know, in previous episodes, I think the overall flow was, you know, we were looking at where are we now? What is this present situation? And then we started to dive into uh, the various disparities that the Black community faces. And also, you know, we delved into uh, Christian response and what does it mean to, you know, care for the poor, the blind, the orphan. Um, and today, I think today's conversation is really vital because uh, we're talking about privilege and power, uh, two words that are maybe uh, kind of get a little political when we talk about the word privilege, but I think it's important for us to navigate what this word really means, especially being a Christian and what does that mean to have privilege and or power. Um, So, hey, uh, Bowtie Brian and Sean, thanks again for being on the show today.
2: Absolutely I'll
0: be back
1: Um, Uh,
2: Let me just say that I uh, I for one really enjoy Touchy topics Um, I can't say I love controversy But I also can't say that I hate it And so uh, any political Topic that gives me a chance to kind of Push people's buttons is uh, It's kind of like a little Walk in the park for me I enjoy it's like An amusement park An amusement park that's on fire You know, it's just, it's an exhilarating experience.
1: (laughs) Hey, I mean, an important part of our journey, you know, whether it be faith or any aspect, I think it's important to approach challenging conversations and be willing to be challenged. And so I think Brian has definitely done that with me as we've talked about some of these conversations and, uh, yeah. So, hey, Brian, uh, Lead us out, man. Where are we going today?
2: Oh, yes, 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 yes. So, you know, where have we come from? We just finished a conversation on class and color. And of course, that was uh, full of a lot of information. Dr. Sean Smith, who is a wealth of knowledge, was able to help us as we we're navigating through those realities as they intersected between race and religion. And now in this episode, what we're going to be doing is, is spending some time at the intersection of race and religion, Where it intersects with privilege and power. Some working definitions. Privilege is the advantage afforded to someone by what they have, right? Or they possess, Mm -hmm. right? The advantage. Power is the ability, in many ways, to do what one wants, and if there is a hot button topic on today's uh, newsreel, if it is not the most inflammatory phrase in the conversation, it is the discussion of either white privilege or dare I say white power, which we didn't mention in our brainstorming oh. conversation, but I realized the word is right there. <laughs> and we will not be discussing white power, but for sure. We'll be discussing this issue of white privilege, and so I'm going to go ahead and toss it to our uh, white expert, Dr. Sean Smith. Yes. Oh <laughs> my gosh! <laughs> to give us a definition of what this term is and why it's being thrown around the way it has been.
0: Yeah, definitely hot topic. Um, it's it's unfortunate because this white privilege commentary in recent years has um probably been misused but nonetheless it's a reality um you know this idea of white privilege is is just the the idea that you know there are certain race-based stressors that um non-white um americans especially right go through that people feel like they don't matter. People feel like their rights are being abused. People are, you know, going through traumas due to their race that many white people do not go through. And it's not to say that, you know, white people don't experience all the things that we've been discussing, right, poverty, pain, trauma, um, but directly linked to their race, um, it's not something that many, you know, white people are going through today. And so, I think really what we want to touch on as well as we talk about white privilege is is this idea of majority privilege. Um, you know, depending on where you are in the world, you know, there's majorities, and Gerald shared a story of you know being in a different country, and you know, uh, the the major race in a particular country is gonna, is the majority, and that majority is going to have privileges, right? Um, and so what we find is that you know if you're in the majority. Um, you're gonna tend to oppress the minority. And it's it's unfortunate because as Christians, we are are called to do um a great work with the power and the privilege that we have. Um and so, you know, even as we're discussing this idea of white privilege, I wanna, you know, uh bounce it off to Gerald to kind of share a little bit about um, you know, what his experience is like kind of hearing about this term and you know. What are some of the um, what are some of the things you're hearing out there?
3: Yeah, I think
1: I think this term can be used as a weapon. Uh, what hmm. I mean by that is when you say, "Oh, like you have white privilege," as if you know white people are inherently evil, and and I, when we've talked about this, I think. I really like this just because a majority is not an evil thing. Um, and to have privilege isn't necessarily evil thing. It's what you do with it. And that's where power comes into play, right? So um, I think when we talk about these topics, it's, it's important for us to recognize that that just because it exists doesn't mean it's inherently evil causes a member of that race to be an evil person. Um, that's that's where people become very defensive on this term and um, feel like uh, kind of like suppresses or demeans their struggles or whatever the case may be. Um, and- so
2: Joe, so Joe, are you telling me that white privilege is not something people need to check and repent of? Because somehow I feel like people need to, you know, like every day at the house, I just have Sean bow to me and and say, hey, forgive me for being white. And, you know, it, it, it really feeds our friendship. And, you know, we get the chance to enjoy a little reparations, even though my family's from East Africa and we weren't necessarily a part of it. But it's a it's a sacrament nonetheless. You know, check your privilege, Sean. Right. What is that? You know, what is that? I mean, that's that is how it exists right now in the zeitgeist as it right. exists on social media, you know, check your privilege white man, white woman. uh, What is that, Gerald? What is it? I mean, you're you're running into this thing and it's like, boom, you know, repent of your privilege. Mm. Why? Why are they so closely linked? If if you're telling me it's not inherently evil, I mean, why is it being framed as such?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of anger and anger against the majority and its treatment of the minority, I think even the over-generalized picture, right? And so I think this is this quote. I, I don't know who made it or just the idea, but um, it's very easy for the e- oppressed to become the oppressors, right? So if we look at American history, the black population was the minority and support was was something that had to be grown over time. It was a struggle. It has been a fight, right? Now we look at today at 2020 where Black Lives Matter is a more popular opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Like a poll, I think I saw 67% of people support Black Lives Matter. Right. So now yeah. that now that this trend is, is becoming a trend, right? So this, on the majority, now we have a flip, right? And so at this point, I think it's very easy for people in this space to now put down those who are on the minority's end and force them to submit and bow. And you're basically just, in my opinion, I think you're just taking their place. Like before they might've been the oppressors in general terms. But now instead of, of, uh, I think white privilege is important to understand that it's an acknowledgement of certain things that you might have that others don't, but that doesn't make it inherently like I caused that to happen. It's just a matter of life. Just like gravity is a matter of life and just like sunshine. I don't know. It, it's an acknowledgement of something doesn't mean inherently it's you that caused it. Um, because right,
2: admitting, admitting some type of a guilt for having right. it,
1: exactly, right? you know,
2: having a life where you do not experience race-based stress period It's just Acknowledging that that exists, yes, Sean. I see you. You're nodding your head, Sean. Where are you going?
0: I think it's really difficult for people to acknowledge that it exists. Um, and for me, personally, you know, trying to be as cultured as I could. Right, I moved to Southern California, didn't really know anybody, um, and while. You know, I I was around a lot of uh, the black community in playing sports and growing up. You know, the Asian community and the Indian community, um, Pacific Island community, all these different, you know, Filipino, um, all these different communities that are in Southern California. And here I am being elected as class president. And I'm like needing to learn as much about all these different groups. And I realized pretty quickly that, being in school and, you know, having the opportunities that I had, um, I realized that that many times um, you know, those opportunities were given to me because I was white. Um, and there are many things that I don't deal with on the other end of the spectrum that are also because I am white. For example, you know, as a kid, I'm not taught as I'm walking down the street, you know, to be wary of you know, wearing black clothes at night, you know, as a kid, whereas a black boy who grows up, you know, his dad is telling him not to wear black. He's instructing him on a lot of different things when they're driving in the car. Um, and it's perpetuated from this generational stress due to all the things we've been discussing over policing, um, mistreatment right slavery and kind of a lot of the origination of where the police even came from in the first place, um, which was the the you know, to hunt slaves. And so a lot of these, um, issues that the black community face and other minorities face are not things that I've ever had to deal with. I mean, even Brian, as we shared in the first or second episode, being cautious about driving to work because of, um, you know, some issues that were happening up there during the time of the protests. Um, You know, a grown man is in fear for his life because of the, this, this, uh, these issues that are going on. And these aren't things that I'm ever managing for my my personal life. I'm not in a survival mode at any time um, to be thinking about this could be my last moment, right? Anytime I'm in conversation with a police officer, I feel
3: safe. Whereas many people of the black
0: race do not feel safe. And so that is a privilege. I have that privilege as a white man to feel comfortable around um, police officers. Now it's, it extends beyond that. And I think we're going to discuss some of those issues as well. It's more than just policing. It's more than just society and and how people feel, but it's, you know, job-based discrimination exists, right? um there's so many issues that go into this that really make it uh, difficult for um you know people to realize that this exists and, and and so for me seeing that it existed it was one thing i had to really like swallow and realize and then as we're talking about not feel guilty about it but to use my privilege for good and i think that's what we want most of our discussion to be about today yeah um, using the gifts that that, that, you know, by, by God's grace, I was born white. And that's not to say that it's, it is the most gracious thing to be born white, but it, it is something that I've been given that alleviates or that's not stressful to me. It's not something that I have to think about every day, you know, going on the street and being worried for my life. Yeah. And whatever we want to call that, it's a privilege. And I should not use that against the rest of humanity. I should use that for and, and to, to bring peace to the rest of humanity. So that's my experience.
2: It, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, the more, the more you're talking, the more I'm thinking about the fact that, uh, you know, just simply defining white privilege as the absence of race-based stress doesn't even seem all that controversial. But the moment someone then... Utters "Black Lives Matter." There's a guttural response from certain individuals, and um, and maybe even well-meaning individuals. All lives matter. And in a moment when someone is sharing their experience of stress, race-based stress, uh, there's an exhibition of insensitivity. Insensitivity, and and you know, it, again, well-meaning individuals are not sensitized to even Christians are insensitive of these realities which seem incontrovertible and they seem uh, maybe even obvious but the psychosocial realities of this moment and of really the entire uh, gospel narrative is that there are these parts of us that are insensitive to one another i mean so much so that the bible would would articulate in you know, the, the words or the letters in red because of many issues in life, the love of many grows cold. You know, we, we just, we can't see people, a group of people saying, Hey, I matter. He's like, Hey, yeah, you matter like everyone else matters. Um, and it's interesting because I'm sure we have people we love who are insensitive to this situation. Uh, Gerald, how's it been, right? You're, you're, again, like we've mentioned, you're not in the Black group, you're not in the white group, but you're here in this country, and all of us kind of got typecasted for this drama. Um, what, what, what has been sensitizing you, and what is it that you're thinking in the world of insensitivity as you're navigating as a Christian trying to figure it all out?
3: Hmm.
1: I think one thing that has been a learning journey for me is when it comes to the conversation of race, right? When we talk about racial disparities, it really paints a more complex picture, right? And Mm -hmm. so for me, in my mind, it's like, you know, just have to work hard and, um, You'll overcome and you'll be successful. Like, it's very, that's a very simple narrative, right? But, but when you factor in the fact that people started from different places, that poverty plays a role in that, that education plays a role in that, and that, um, like encounters with police or, or criminal justice system, and then, you know, race has played a factor in those areas too. So the, the picture just becomes more complex. And then I realized, look, where I am today, yes, like, I had to work to get to this point, but I probably had less obstacles than most people, right? And and recognizing that, I think made me humble and aware that look, like in a sense I have an element of of privilege, right? I didn't have to go through some sort of stress. Now, like n- technically I don't have white privilege right because I'm not white, but but I had privileges that other people didn't and and I think this awareness is huge because when we speak of those who are quote-unquote not successful in our eyes or didn't make it, you know, very general phrases, um, it's very easy to prescribe it completely to personal choice. And I, we've stressed this before, but I just really can't say this enough. Like when we, when we just prescribes someone's situation as totally the response of personal choice, we just fail to account the complexity of human life and societal impact on someone. And so I think with this understanding, um, I've come in with a more humble heart and, and realizing that I really need to listen more than I, that I really don't know. That my perspective is is limited because of my background and my upbringing and that different people will, will share with me that, you know, their life was different than mine because of various things of not their choice.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm. And, and I think what, what's interesting is that, you know, staying within this political lane of white privilege there's this term that comes alongside and maybe some people are not familiar but for others who have maybe heard of even robin d'angelo's book white fragility there is a sense of uh fragility that comes alongside those that are are uh, insensitive where the acknowledgement of these realities produces anger or fear or guilt or argumentation or or even complete silence and avoidance behavior that somehow a discussion about privilege induces stress, Mm -hmm. you know, communicating regarding the reality that others are experiencing stress that you don't have in your own experience somehow makes you feel some kind of way, you know. This this white fragility, which I would encourage everyone to to read about, has so many psychosocial implications on how insensitive, and it's the word that you hear me keep repeating because I came up with this little equation to try to understand how insensitivity is created. What are the ingredients? What's the recipe for insensitivity? And there are three uh, elements, ignorance, insecurity, and injury, subjective or objective. Again, sensitivity equals ignorance plus insecurity plus injury, perceived or otherwise. And as Gerald has just commented, in those moments when we may tell some other person, hey, why not just pull yourself up by your bootstraps without being sensitive to whether or not they have boots or even have feet, let alone straps on their boots. There may be something we don't know, ignorance. There may be something we are hiding, insecurity. And there may be some deep wound that we've never attended to, injury, that is causing us to have this roadblock into actually seeing the person for who they are.
0: Yeah, I think, it you know, the inability to be able to, the inability to accept privilege leads to fragility, you know? It it draws a straight line. Um, you know, if you can't accept that you've been given privilege, right, then insensitivity births and then you become this person that cannot tolerate hearing how anyone's story is more difficult than yours. Mm. Right? And I think that's really interesting as we get into the pride discussion because yeah. so much of what you know Christ is coming to share with us is that you know we we are um, you know the, I mean the story of the Good Samaritan right I mean you you have a, a man who is is asking Christ you know who um, you know who is the who is the the good neighbor right or, or Jesus asked the man who is the neighbor. Um, for for the man who you know is it the man who walked on the other side of the of the lane or is it the the one who you know tended to him the Samaritan and it was amazing because the the man who's a Jew um, could not stomach the fact that it was a Samaritan who was the one who was was the neighbor to the man who was beaten on the side of the road and in his response says it was the one who had mercy on him so it's this pride this this these racial issues that are at the core of this problem of fragility and privilege and inability to see that we have a duty and a responsibility to come in and 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 love those who are different than us. And, you know, last week we commented a little bit on high resolution pictures of who people are. And because all all that happens, if you have a low resolution picture of who somebody is, is, you know, you condescend on them. You don't know who they are. You, you don't know where they come from. They don't look like you. And so you automatically associate someone who is in a different um, class or race um, than you, and you associate them with negativity. Um, to you know many times to make yourself feel superior and you know as brian commented if you're unable to say black lives matter but you're okay with saying blue lives matter um, isn't it just the same as the man who wasn't able to stomach the reality that the samaritan who the jews looked down upon was the one who was the neighbor who was fulfilling the law um I think it's really important for us to be able to draw these parallels because what Jesus is sharing with us is um these are these are complexities and these are issues that humans have been dealing with forever uh and are currently dealing with today and will forever deal with. Mm. And I think it lives right in the heart of of race and, and realizing that, you know, with with privilege. Inability to see that comes fragility and ins- insensitivity.
1: I want to, I guess, bring up a kind of example of sorts. You know, when we talk about these things, especially to those who might not be as sensitive to the realities of racial disparities, is one of the big conversations of today, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like when you when you begin to share some of these statistics. And, and stories and things. And then uh, the response is, is, is um, well, I worked hard too. And um, I had to overcome things too. Um, it's just the inability to accept disparities. I think uh, we were talking about this, right? Acknowledging that if others, because of race, right? Have had to overcome more obstacles than you, Makes your success story of making it less impressive than others. Right. Mm. And, and if we are to base our identities on the, our success, then when we accept the reality of racial disparities, our status is threatened. Mm. And so we we gotta draw this back to, you know, at the core of this, it's identity and where we base our identity on. If we are basing our identity on Christ as we are children of God, then it is much easier for us to stomach and accept realities of racial disparities than if we are to base our identity, like a significant portion of our identity on what we have accomplished or what we have done. Um, And vice versa, you know, um, I think, Brian you mentioned the the phenomenon of virtue signaling too right and um mm. now the shift is oh i have experienced so much racism and i've experienced more than you and, and and then the the status flips to uh being how much of a victim you are and that makes you more you know reliable of a voice or um you know that you deserve something like that and and we got to really cut down to the core of this issue we cannot base our identity on anything other than Christ and it is so easy and it's so how do i say it it's so hidden because we don't realize we're doing it but when we do these type of actions when we base our identity on aspects like status or or victimhood then then it won't stand that then then we have a pr- we are more prone to becoming insensitive as Brian was mentioning. Um, so yeah, I, I really wanted to stress that in our conversation today.
2: It, here's the thing, my, my whole thing is, and, that, and that's the reason why I don't even like having these conversations. And that's why the people who, you know, come along and tell me that, you know, this, this is something that just like they say, and I'm like, yeah, I agree. You know, there's no uh, slave or free Jew or Greek. There is nothing as race and and hey, I'm colorblind. You know what I mean? I think that that's really the Christian perspective is just being colorblind and realizing that these things don't matter. We shouldn't be focusing on them. Race and religion don't even deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence or paragraph or book because as Christians, hey, we just need to be colorblind because that is the Christian perspective. Wouldn't you guys agree?
1: Um, I'll take a jab at this. <laughs> Um. Here's the thing about colorblindness, because you know, to be honest, I think I had some of this. Like, I think a, a low amount. I, I would say, like, you know, Brian, I, I see the first thing I think about you is that I think that you are a competent, intellectual individual. And to be honest, and it's some, really
2: because oh, I got some too. If like. Sorry, yeah,
1: yeah. who always wears it? a bow tie? By the way, stunning bow ties. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> He's actually wearing a bow tie right now, and none of you will see it because I am recording an audio podcast. But he don't care. He don't care. <laughs> that's that's how awesome he is. Gotta live up to Look the Look good, feel good, do good. That's where I'm <laughs> But yeah, like I was saying, you know, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I think of Brian, I the first thing, honestly, I don't think of is black. Right? Which is which is okay. I think that's normal. Like we talk about, you know looking at someone not by the, con- the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Okay, that's an important point. But, you know, the more we have learned, at least what we are trying to portray to you, is that racial disparities do exist and on multiple levels, right? And so if we are to just say, uh, I'm colorblind, right? Um, as just an assume that every person will, you know, you treat everyone equally or whatever. Yes, but but at the same time, you're not acknowledging these realities. Like uh, the analogy that I really liked, um, I was reading was racial colorblindness is the ideological equivalent of hiding our heads in the sand. Like, it's like saying, Brian, you're saying this, that you don't see diseases when diseases exist, right? Right, right. So- you know, it's, it's really dangerous because the, the, okay, so how about this? And an, an alternative to colorblindness is awareness. You know, it's, it's saying that, okay, different races might have experienced different things and being acknowledging that. And with that knowledge, that means you have to approach people of different race differently as well and, and, and recognize that they have a perspective and, and experience that you don't. And 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 try to uh, I think the word is uh, developed a, a identi- or a framework of multiculturalism, being able to appreciate what different cultures have exp- have and races have given to society, and also acknowledge the you know the challenges they have faced too. So yeah, that would be my response to such a um, argument for color blindness, I guess.
0: Yeah I think it it it's it definitely can I actually think that color blindness leads to insensitivity as well um mm. because you know if your perspective is hey everyone is the same we all come from the same places we shouldn't be look we shouldn't be considering um someone's race as we're interacting with them um you're definitely going to come off insensitive I mean you know as a you know as a as a as a white person you know i'm i'm aware of of uh a lot of the different ways in which I can be viewed right wearing a suit walking into a classroom right um, you know all the different you know things that that I do that could could seem um you know, someone could could um easily just uh, the opposite look at me with some sort of negativity because of um, something that I have or something that I'm doing um, and maybe not appreciate it as much because of my race. Maybe they'd appreciate it more if I was black or Hispanic, right? And so the fact that I know people have these um, uh, prejudices as they go into any space, we all do. Um, I think that it, it's really important to um, be considerate of that and accommodate for that. I mean, Paul says in, you know, First Corinthians. 919 that he's made himself a servant to all that he might win some so you know he he's not acting the same towards everybody because everyone has a different story yeah everyone comes from a different place they um, believe different things and so we must be considerate of those things um, in order to uh, truly make a connection with people which ultimately as christians is what we are trying to do our, our goal is to build relationships and and share with people the love of the gospel and, and of, of Christ and the sacrifice He made for us um, by being that sacrifice for them. That's why Paul is saying, I'm the servant to all, right? Um, I, I make sacrifices for people so that I can win them, right? I don't, uh, and so this colorblindness thing, I think that's just one way that we can become insensitive and really. Stick to our guns when it's unnecessary and die on the wrong hill. I think that ultimately can happen Um, but colorblindness is definitely one way that it it will happen among the
3: many I, I think that's meaningful that there's something
2: to be said about pleading colorblindness as Willful ignorance right and I think this is an appropriate time as we as we transition from the race aspect now to To religion, you know, what what is this gospel actually, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ is that the God of the universe engaged or embarked on the mission of bridging the gap between heaven and earth by the means of becoming culturally competent in all ways tempted as we are, son of God, son of man so that in becoming one with the race, he could stand in the gap, bearing his cross and inviting us to do the same. And so the question becomes now, privilege and power, right? The advantage afforded to one and the power to do as one wants has to be seen through the lenses of Christ. Who else is more privileged and more powerful Christ, right? That, that is the, the reality of this relationship between God and his people. The one who has ultimate power will model for us how we ought to use power. And the same with privilege. And what we see throughout the entire Old Testament is that the God of the universe is against those who are in those positions that oppress those who are without And uses his position to stand in the gap, to stand on behalf, to stand beside, to stand for the oppressed, the marginalized, and the poor. And so this Jesus character who comes into the scene and now becomes the great example affords us the opportunity to participate in what I like to call Christian privilege and Christian power. Because as Gerald has already alluded to, the great issue of our hearts is not necessarily in gross sin, but it is in identity. Right? There is this natural tendency of our hearts to run competitive comparisons and these relative senses of superiority. From the very beginning, it was the woman you gave me, is the response of the human heart, not to take responsibility and definitely not to align oneself with the truth, but. To put others down and to absolve ourselves of our responsibility to God. But as Micah 6.8 becomes the through text for our conversation, the question is: what does it mean to do justly, right? To, to right relationships? What does it mean to love mercy? And what does it mean to walk humbly as we consider these realities that are not just out there with the prison system and disparities in healthcare and society? But in here, in our hearts, Gerald, I see you itching to say something. Please,
1: <laughs> you know, when I've heard this text many times, it's actually a theme of my university the college I went to, and I, I'm sure you guys have seen Brian's skill of of really articulating ideas, and he broke down this this passage so well, um, you know. Um, there's three parts, right? Doing justly, loving mercy, correct? Right? And and walking humbly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hear those words and I'm like, that sounds great, you know, and I just move on. Like, uh, but see, there's 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 importance in the words, right? So doing justly, we're talking a lot about justice, right? And and justice is all about external action of of, you know, what are we doing externally to to restore relationships, right? One of the definitions that we use this is justice is right relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, loving mercy right a mercy can only exist when there is another person right giving mercy to someone is an interpersonal thing right so mercy is an interpersonal thing justice is an external thing and then walking humbly right that's that's you that's that's the heart and This is what we're really trying to get at in our conversation today. All of these things, all of the conversation of privilege and power and and fragility and, and insensitivity, it's all a matter of the heart. And if we don't have a humble heart or we don't allow God to humble our hearts, we will fall prey to these many things and it's and it's hard for us to see. And and I, I want to say this, you know, because I don't want this to just be political commentary. I want this to be rooted rooted in, in in the gospel. Um, it's hard for us to see these things. We need the Holy Spirit to, to show us these things, hands down. We need the Holy Spirit to show us our pride points, um, to show, um, to show us where we fall short, because in the same way as we can you know, I think it's just as bad to also look down at someone who is a racist as well as if you are a better person just because you are more aware and more sensitive. And, and it all comes down to the core of what does it mean to really walk humbly with God. And this is the core of our conversation today.
3: You know, I think it's, it's such an amazing message
0: because it's such a high calling. I mean, doing, doing the right thing, right? Like, there are so many reasons not to do the right thing. Yeah. It's so easy. Loving mercy, I mean, culturally, everything that we learn is, hey, if someone stabs you in the back, you stab them too.
1: Right, right.
0: Right? We don't love mercy. We hate mercy, actually, most people. We you think know? it's weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's weakness, right? <laughs> hey, you didn't you, you you didn't reciprocate my you know you, you didn't go pound for pound with me. You bowed out. You're weak, right? Um, and then of course, if, if we don't do these first two, there's no way we're going to be able to walk humbly. And and, and so it's w- what gives us the power to do that. And and even as Brian is sharing with us how, you know, the God of the universe sent His Son, gave Him all power all of the privilege, all of the glory and honor. And what did he do? He decided to become a poor man, live amongst the people, and to literally use his power for healing, not only spiritually but physically. Just imagine what we would do with the power we were given if we were given Mm. that much power. Help us. We, We would do nothing close to what Christ did when he came. And then even to the end, as he is you know, sharing with the disciples how it's all going to go down, you know, nobody, no one takes my life from me. I give my life. You have so much power, the ability to do what you want. Nobody takes my life. I give it. Mm. But yet he willfully gave it. He willfully gave
3: it. And the only thing
0: that gives us the power to do any of these things the power to do the right thing the power to you know care and 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 have compassion on people who hurt us and be merciful to them is because we know that at the expense of his life Christ gave all of his power up and as he says bear your cross and follow me he's calling us he's giving us a direct prescription to give all of our power up
3: and use it for the good of humanity to restore humanity to heal humanity so that when he returns we can all join with him
1: Brian um I, I I'd really like for you to articulate the the concept of Christian privilege and power because honestly I've never really heard this phrase. And I think it'd be really helpful for us to understand what does that really mean?
3: Right.
2: So it's a, it's a parallel that I just see as again, someone grafted into this American drama growing up in, in white rural America, suburban America And, and having been gifted with great parents who've loved me and in many ways loved quote unquote the hell out of me so that my identity could be rooted in an unconditional love from them as they ushered me into the unconditional love of Christ. And, and it gives me a perspective that allows me to appreciate what comes along with this privilege piece, which is fragility, insensitivity. You know, Why is it that as Christians, we struggle with people who sin differently than we do, right? We, we find that many times, having taken on the title of Christian, uh, many times nominally at first, and rightfully so, we're justified and then sanctified, we still struggle like Peter, who all the way up until the cross and into the book of Acts was still a racist. You know, we just, we don't, we don't read into the text, it exists, you know, these, these core senses of who we are and whose we are or what Christ is coming to free us from, Galatians 5, 1, right? It is freedom for freedom's sake that He has set us free. The freedom from these identities that make us feel like we must build our sense of self on what we have and 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 what we've accomplished. And and Christian privilege and Christian power and Christian fragility many times, which is what the entire books of Galatians is talking about. We don't have time to go into all of it, but Galatians is really just simply saying, having been given the privilege as sons and daughters of the God of the universe and the power to do what you want, Galatians 5.13 you have been called to live in freedom my brothers and sisters but do not use your freedom to satisfy yourself instead use your freedom to serve one another in love but what what we what we really need to know truly is that freedom if i tell you i'm a racist will you still love me are we there in our communities whatever the sin is Will you look on me and will you love me? Because going back to this conversation that Christ is having with uh, the, the, the lawyer in the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, you find that when the man cannot utter the name Samaritan out of his mouth, Jesus doesn't come for him and say, no, you must answer the question. Say it. Say it was the Samaritan. No, 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 no. <laughs> Jesus tells him, if you've answered correctly. Go and do likewise. And the privilege, the power, the freedom we have is not to use our position to condescend on those who are still struggling on their journey.
3: Uh, but yes. it,
2: it, is, it is in recognizing the opportunity we have, because this is where I love Micah 6-8 so much. Yes, do justly, right. Relationships and maintain their integrity. But when it tells us to love mercy, what is it that we love? What does it mean to love to love something is to identify with it? Right. We must identify our primary identity as being recipients of mercy It's almost as if the text is written incorrectly in order for you to do just you must have power, but in order for power not to corrupt you, you must know yourself to be a recipient of mercy. Otherwise you will enact justice that will be tyrannical. It will pervert your very heart, which is why the third command comes along and says, and walk humbly with your God. Remember who you are as you relate to those around you, because your relationship to me will be reflected in your relationship to others because how you think of others is truly a reflection on how you think of yourself. And if you don't know yourself to be a recipient of undeserved favor and mercy, the recipient of all of heaven wrapped in a gift, then it is impossible, as has said, for us to even live up to these standards because they will crush us in light of the fact that it's not if, but when we fall, we will not know what to do with ourselves. We will not know that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and all unrighteousness. And it is the forgiveness from him that frees us to love. And we have to be careful as we're handling one another to be merciful and to forgive and to be kind because the practice of virtue signaling again, it shifts the pendulum in such a way that when we are now in a position of freedom we we unfortunately use our freedom to satisfy our sinful nature Galatians five: thirteen again. we don't use first Corinthians eight: nine our freedom to avoid being a stumbling block to other people. And so as Christians, as we're working through this material and people are being encouraged to go and to absolve themselves of ignorance and to absolve themselves of the insecurities and absolve themselves of the injuries, right? This equation for insensitivity and you become sensitive. Don't all of a sudden, because now, as Paul would tell us, knowledge puffs up, act in such a way that having been freed from those things you think you now have the privilege and the power to condescend on others because Jesus himself, who was sinless, looked on the rich young ruler who loved money more than people, and he loved him. He looks at this lawyer and kindly
3: encourages him, hey, you're correct. Keep going.
2: And and I think that the, the truth of this moment for us as Christians Living in this country, and really, as the the world has been captivated by this issue of racism and intolerance and bigotry and violence, is to remember that this is more than a race problem. This is a sin problem. This is a pride problem. What we say about ourselves is not as important as what God has said about us, and it has been sealed at the cross and from the grave by the one whose opinion matters. And when we can allow the gospel to work its way into our hearts, we will be able to avoid what I like to call again, this Christian fragility where we cannot just come to terms with the fact that, yeah, I might be a little racist. I might oversimplify people groups because it's just easier and I don't have time or have access to get to have a high resolution picture of different people. And so I say things like all lives matter. I say things like I'm colorblind because I'm afraid of coming to terms with the fact that I might be a sinner, but the gospel gives us the freedom to be a sinner and a saint simultaneously.
3: And it's okay.
0: Yeah, it's almost, um, it's almost as if in Micah six eight, you know, we're we're just we're just being asked to treat people how gracefully God has treated us, you know, rich,
3: rich young ruler, the lawyer, right? Um, it's it's ultimately,
0: you know, why in in James, you know, there's there's a, the famous text, you know, you will be judged by the mercy that you will give others. Right, because the mercy that, that you give others, you will give you will give mercy to the, to the degree that you realize how much you've been given mercy,
3: mm-hmm.
0: how much you've been given grace, how much you've been forgiven, how much you've been delicately handled, right? <laughs> and that's such a great gift. It gives you so much. It's like the greatest privilege of all of the in all of the world that's ever been given. The greatest gift. The greatest privilege. Which ultimately, actually, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I mean, it, it, it's the power. It's like we have the power to be able to use the privilege to serve others and to
3: be sensitive with the pride and be sensitive with the people who aren't where we
0: are. Or, or you know, we, again, we all run these comparisons between each other. So we all think that people are behind us. (laughs) So, yeah.
1: Um, I think in an overarching, when, when we talk about privilege and power, which is the whole theme of this episode, and as if we have articulated, you know, the gospel, the good news is that God gave us an avenue of salvation that we did not deserve. We did Mm -hmm. not earn in any way or fashion, which means it's Mm -hmm. a gift, which means it's a privilege that we did not earn it. I, I stress that because if we can accept that fact when it comes to religion, how can we not accept that reality that that can also happen when it comes to race, that just because you're a certain race, you have been attributed things that you did not earn or did not cause, but that was a reality of something beyond yourself, right? At the core of salvation is that idea. And that idea doesn't have to be just within the concept of religion. Um, Hmm. And so, yeah, it's the journey to sensitivity, I would say, oh yeah, I mean, a journey. You know, we this whole this whole podcast is themed about our faith journey. And throughout these last four weeks, it's been a journey for me. I know I have still more to learn, but man, like just recognize it's a journey. And second of all, you know, don't be overwhelmed by the amount of information. Just take steps and just learn and, and have conversations like these. Find people who you can talk to about these things. And step into those challenging conversations with family members and friends, which I think is probably a really good thing we should address next episode on, you know, given this information, how do we move forward, right? But um, yeah, guys, I, I, have, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I just wanted to give you guys a chance to say anything in any the last words um, I'd like to say to whoever's listening right now.
2: Yeah, the, the, the text that comes to mind, it's definitely not a popular text, but I don't even know if many have spent more than two seconds on it. It's a very short short verse. It's in Hebrews chapter five, verse eight, and it says, even though Jesus was God's
3: Son, he learned.
2: And I think that that the humility as we're engaging in this conversation is that the Lord of Of all the earth, participated in cultural competence, participated in communal competence, participated in the very same things that were necessary for him to ultimately stand in the gap as our high priest. And and, and the comment is, completing the text, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. Obedience to the command that is given in Micah 6, 8, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. And the obedience to that was through the things he suffered in having to have, as we will discuss at length next time, but I just want to offer something of of the suffering that you may be able to endure as you engage with people in your family or people who are your loved ones that are very insensitive, to follow the equation Right. Insensitivity is a combination of ignorance, insecurity, and the one that really completed the equation for me injury. Yes. Injury. Taking the time to participate in conversations where you listen, because most of our deepest injuries are the feeling of not being heard. The deep injury in this moment where people are screaming black lives matter is, do you hear us, do you see us, do you care? And for those who scream back all lives matter, for those who are tired of the protest, they're ready for this trend to end, you know what the true cause of their insensitivity is? They want someone to see them, to hear them and to tell them they matter. And the truth of the, the, the issue is that it's not the person who's sitting in office that is gonna tell black people they matter, that will heal the heart. It is Jesus on a cross who screams out in silence for three hours, you matter. You mean the world to me. You are to die for. And in these moments with with our loved ones where we are having conversations and we are suffering through it, Hmm. Even Jesus learned the obedience of loving mercy and walking humbly and writing those relationships through those conversations with his knuckleheaded disciples that never got it after three and a half years with the, the chief priests and the religious rulers and the cowardly people like Nicodemus because it gave him the tenderness to care and the freedom to love even the unlovable. And I want to encourage you when you see someone being insensitive to ask the Lord to give you a lens to see their injury and to love the hell out of them. Love that part of them that is screaming out, hey, I matter too. Because that is the power the gospel is affording us to gift to them and that we've received from him.
3: Yeah. Well said, my guy.
0: Um, I also want to add, you know, as we've been discussing last week as well, friendship is so important. Um,
3: Going through all of these painful ideas and painful realities, you know, to be able to have friends to
0: support you as you do, as Brian is imploring. Mm -hmm. Um, But even more importantly than having
3: friends on earth to do so, always remember that in those moments when you feel alone, you're not. Because Christ
0: on the cross was completely without the presence of God bearing all of the darkness and the sin in the world so that we could never
3: have to be alone so call on him friends thanks again
1: um yeah, this conversation has been so rich and full and you know uh, every journey has an end and um and the next episode will be wrapping up this series and you know, we will take uh, some meaningful time to address questions that you might have. So again, if, if you have questions that you'd like us to address as if you've been hearing to these things and, and want us to address something that you might have in your mind, um, go ahead and um, either email me at podcast at gmail.com or you can um, find the Instagram or Facebook page and also message there. And we'll just really be asking ourselves with all of this knowledge of all of this insight, what do we do now? Right, how, do, how do we move forward? And so this, this, these are the conversations, these are the things that we can talk about next episode. So be sure to stay tuned. As always, remember the words of the great Beth Moore. To God, our journey is just as important as our destination. God bless and see you next time.